to the Disciple Making Disciples podcast. This is a podcast put out by Northwest Community Church in Cary, North Carolina. Um, This is a podcast where we talk about what it looks like to obey the Great Commission and to be disciples who are making disciples. So this is the second part of our conversation with Charlie Rogers. And in the first part, we talked a little bit about kind of what a disciple is and what it looks like to be formulating a vision and direction as a church around the idea of making disciples. In the second part of this conversation, Charlie kind of gets into some of the specifics about what disciple making has looked like for him. And he talks about some of the people who have made a difference in his life, or you might say have helped him learn to trust love and obey Jesus, and also some of the things that he does as he tries to be intentional about helping other people trust, love, and obey Jesus. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Charlie Rogers. So I think of, when I think of people that have discipled me, one of the people that I think of without putting a, a format on it is Charlie. I've, I've told others this, and I may not have even specifically said this to you, but I think you, if you thought about it, you can think of ways in which you've done that. But I think of Charlie as someone who does this and has been doing this without it being the language of the church. And and I think that's something that uh, I'd love to hear you talk more about of this was already something that I think you had a burden for of helping others to learn to follow Jesus prior. You didn't need us to tell you that as a church, that that's something we care about. You already cared about that. Um, and I don't think that our church body doesn't already not care about that, yeah. but um, I think you've already been intentional with men in particular of, of doing this very thing. Um, I guess I'd be curious to hear, because I, I know I know some of that, but what is that, what does that look like for you? Like why, why and kind of how have you played out your role as a disciple maker in your own life? Like what does that look like? Um, and why did that, why is that something that you've prioritized? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, emotional talking based in high school, between ninth and 10th grade at a church youth camp as I was getting kicked out of the camp um, <laughs> in the middle of the night. But, and, and then, you know, sort of grew a little bit in high school, went away to school, went to a uh, technical school, trade school, and uh, um, you know, learned how to be an army guy. And then joined the army, and I, I was a Christian. I had no doubt about that, and I, I felt I was doing what God wanted me to do. I was providing for my family. Um, we had gone. We had moved after. Um, I spent two years in Korea, South Korea. Two one-year tours in Korea, and Susan joined me, um, and lived in a different house because she wasn't allowed over there. And then. Um, when we came back after the advanced course, so we went to Savannah, Georgia, and we found a church. Uh, Lord only knows truly why we went to this church. Like today, if I drove past a church that looked like that, I would never walk into it. Um, but it was a, it was looking back a pretty fundamental church, Christian church, non-denominational, and I grew more in that church than I've ever done in my life. And it all, tr- the trigger point was when I came home one night and Susan had her bags packed and said, 
you, you got to step up and lead and be the man God wants you to be and not what the army wants you to be or I need to leave. So I went to our pastor who's a retired medical doctor, Dr. Harry McGee, and uh, asked him to disciple me. And uh, he did. He got up every Tuesday morning and met, I had to knock on his door so I wouldn't wake his wife at 5 a.m. every Tuesday morning. Mm. And we spent an hour, hour and a half together. And it was a true discipleship where, you know, the first thing before I could show up on week one was I had to memorize. He took a book, started circling verses and gave it to me and said, memorize those verbatim put each one on a separate index card and come back to me. And if you can state them verbatim, then I'll disciple you. And it was 52 verses. Um, of course, I took that as a challenge and did it in a couple weeks. And, and that started our relationship. And Harry was great. He was faithful. But he structured it, and I needed that structure at that time to learn the disciplines of a godly man, right? What, what does it mean to be in the Word of God? How do I interpret that? What, what does it mean to pray? What does it mean to serve my wife? Um, you know, all sorts of those things. And we did it for about a year, year and a half before we moved. And um, it was great, right? Another guy in the church, an elder, Jimmy Burnson, uh, he, um, every time I saw him, so Jimmy and Becky, his wife, sort of counterbalanced um, Harry, and Lolly, his wife, was sweet. And he's a sweet guy, but he was just very upfront. Um, but Jimmy and, and Becky were very loving. But every time I saw Jimmy, he would give me a book, and, or he'd say, have you read this? But typically, he'd give it to me. And every book he gave me, changed my life in some way hmm. um, and I've used some to disciple others or to help share faith with others or, or how to grow in faith with others um, and uh, so you know it's being around guys that help you learn like that and I needed that there were guys in the military that were mentors but uh, in the wrong way Right. So it was. I was good. It was good to be a young man learning the wrong way to do things. Sometimes you, you got to see the older guys end up where I didn't want to be, hmm. and uh, so then uh, the guys that told me the right or showed me the right path of how to do that. You know, it doesn't make the execution any easier but at least I knew that so that, that's what gave me the uh, still gives me the energy to try to help uh, and I think for me it was a the revelation maybe uh, or the realization probably more so that um, my walk with God is a relationship with him it's not a bunch of activities about him mm. right so we can talk about being a disciple and even the characteristics or the the disciplines of a disciple but if we're not doing that in him 
we're just doing it, mm-hmm. right? And and you said it on one of the other podcasts, I think, is we can know a lot about him, but it doesn't mean we have a relationship with him. And even as a Christian who has a relationship with him, are we getting deeper in that? And is the Holy Spirit in control of more and more of our life every day? And, uh, and of course, we're going to mess that up and take back the control. Again, helicopter, right? You have two cyclics. Most of the time, you fly with two pilots. Sometimes you do single pilots, so you don't do it with a single pilot. But, but cyclics, they move, they're the stick up between your two legs that tilt the rotor. And uh, they both move with each other. So if I have my hands on it, I'm controlling it. If not, it's still moving. And, but if I take control, I say I have the control, the other pilot say you have the controls, and I, I have the controls. It's a back and forth. So then I hand it off, and it, it's, it's like that with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't realize we have the controls, mm-hmm. right? And we think we're doing okay because God, you know, we say God's my co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Ah, we should be the co-pilot. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to do in life, right? What does that mean? And I think that's the struggle, right? You know, like, it's not an easy thing. It's a learned thing that you learn over time um, in the trenches of daily life. And the Holy Spirit's got to lead you through that. You do it through prayer. You do it through listening. Um, meditation's a word I've been focused on lately. Mm-hmm. You know, not the Eastern Transcendental Meditation, but... Biblical meditation. How many times in the Bible does it say to meditate? <laughs> we don't do that today. Turn off everything. Get away from electronics. Get away from lights. Any distraction. And be with God. You know, pick a verse out and focus on it. Or just sit and talk to God. We don't do it. So is that when you say meditate, is that what... What's Describe what you do when you meditate. Um, there's different practices. Right. Um, I get alone, first of all, nobody else around. Or, and you can try to do this. I think that's a learned thing over time. But for me, it's getting alone. Um, I have a beanbag in my office, which also doubles as my grandkids' room. So there's, that's why I have beanbags there. But I <laughs> sit on the floor up against the beanbag and I put my phone away, the computer's off. And the door is closed. And lately I've been taking a verse that has popped up in what I'm studying or something that I've done on uh, in my journal. And I focus on that verse. And, uh, and sometimes that I have my Bible there and my journal there. And sometimes that points me to other verses over time. And, and, let, and God can speak to you. I don't hear a voice in my head or out loud. But why would another verse in the Bible pop up? Mm-hmm. Or why would I be prompted to write down three things I need to do about that person or this mm-hmm. thing this week? So that's, that's what that means to me currently. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's one book I'm reading. I meant to bring the quote in. But, you know, prayer, same thing. Meditation is sort of an extension of prayer, a different type. Right. Um, there was a quote where a, a man thought praying was talking and the, the more he went through it he realized praying is really listening mm-hmm. and, and you know, 
how many times have we say, we'll be praying for you, or I'm praying for this. And, you know, and we, of course we do that, and we should, right? But we also need to listen mm-hmm. on, the, on the backside of that or during that. Because mm-hmm. um, he's not a vending machine. Um, and sometimes his, and we pray for that his will be done. Right? And we want our will to be his will, right? Uh, or his will be depends on how you define it, but his will is predominant yeah. or the dominant thing there. And we want our will to align with his. conform to his will. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting uh, thinking about the helicopter analogy. The idea if you have the two, uh, the two sticks, mm-hmm. and how both people have one, right? But they kind of they move together. As and and I know it's not a perfect analogy, but it's the idea of like I'm still, yeah, I have I can make decisions in my life. Like I'm still I still have my hands on on the on the controls. But the more I learn to to fly, it's not cheesy, but to fly with Jesus, mm-hmm. like the, the more I learn to let Him control from to to control through the Spirit, and then I'm I'm my control stick is is moving along with yeah. with this, and it's really I mean very. We talked a little bit earlier about the Matthew ten about the take my yoke upon you, yeah. and it's the same idea. The idea how they would take a like a young kind of hot blooded ox and like and yoke it together with like a a more mature, more seasoned ox, and so then they pull together, and then the seasoned ox kind of. You're, you're yoked together and so it's like the the young the young gun wants to just like start running and running and running and he's gonna gonna pull the plow out and he's gonna break something but he's like he's kind of shackled to the to the the seasoned ox and and to, so he can learn learn those rhythms and learn what the pace should be and learn okay you get the end of this row we'll turn around and come back and like that's too fast or that's too slow and hmm. it's 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 really cool the way Jesus the, the way he does conform our will to his not in like a, I think a lot of times people think of it in a robotic sense yeah. like um you know like I'm a robot and you know God's sovereignty hmm. freaks us out a lot but there's it's a very human thing yeah where my I still have a, a will I still am making decisions but through the Holy Spirit I'm. I have these new desires. I have these new decisions. I have these new thought processes as God, as I learn from Him. Yeah, I like that. Well, Charlie, let me ask you this. You know, um, you were talking about some of the different mentors or disciples that you had in your life. You mentioned the the pastor at your church, and you said that he used a very structured, almost maybe even rigid type of, a, of an approach yeah. where it was, hey, if you, if you, if you want to meet with me, you know, memorize these 52 verses. And you said that that is the way that you really responded well. That was maybe the right way to do it at that time in, in your life. Um, is that when you, you know, David mentioned that, that one thing that we all notice in you is how intentional you are with um making disciples out of the especially the men in your in your life group and then others around you too what's your approach to that i mean as far as structure or or, or less structure do you do you approach it a similar way that um, these other pastors did or how do you approach that both 
right? There are times when I do it structured, and there are times when I don't. Lately, it hasn't been so much that way. It's just been crazy lately with schedules and trying to get people to meet. Th say the structure, an example of that was we did um, um, Tony Evans. I used uh, Right Now Media's technology to do Tony Evans' um, study on um, Armor of God. Hmm. Okay. And I thought it was really, I did it myself, because we were, we were doing Galatians, then we did Ephesians as a group. So that's structure. And, and I would to give assignments of, you know, this is what we're going to read this week, we're going to come back, then we'd have dialogue. Um, structure in that, and if the guys listen to this, they'll laugh, because they always laugh at me. I required them to have a notebook that they write with a pen or pencil in and <laughs> not a computer. And they had to have a paper Bible, not an electronic Bible for our Bible study. And the intention there is, and it's helped me, and there's nothing wrong with those, but I just have, I believe this firmly. You can learn the Bible better by being in it like this then, and, and I think maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, that might not be true, but I don't know. Um, I think it's good to know the books of the Bible, the layout, how it is, write notes in it that you, you, you can, um, you know, you can refer to, and when you look it up, and then electronically, it's a lot harder, mm -hmm. unless you do a, just a general global search like we do on Google. Mm -hmm. um, and then taking notes in writing. It is now shown, we're seeing studies that you can remember things better by writing it down as opposed to typing it down. And if you're like me, um, you won't find those notes if you type them down, even if you have some taxonomy of how you do your notes and save them. Um, now, you might lose your notebook, but, you know, yeah. I, I, just the discipline of doing that. Right. So then we got to the, the uh, other... You know, or even using technology in the videos. Um, there's some structure there. What I haven't done is ask people to memorize scripture yet. Um, I'm trying to engage people one-on-one -on -one a little bit more now, and that's been tough for me, um, as well as tough for them. So it's hit and miss right now, but hopefully getting better as we enter the summer. Mm -hmm. I think something that I've noticed, though, Charlie, you also pulled from that guy that you said handed you a book every time you saw him. Yeah. I can think of numerous times I've met with Charlie and had coffee, and I I leave with a book with a handwritten note inside that says, hey, here's something I'm praying for you. This is something I took away from this book. I hope this is something that, that you might learn. And And I think the format of you being a disciple who's pouring into my life has never been in a formal way, but it's always been an informal way, one-on-one, -on -one, over coffee. And I think the thing that has transferred from you is, number one, a, a vulnerability of where you are and what God's teaching you has been persistent in all the years I've known you. You've never been somebody who walks into coffee and has it all together. He's always somebody who walks in and tells me, here's what's going on in my life and where God's meeting me, many times in, in the cruddy parts of it. And also in the great parts, and you modeled, well, how is God teaching me something today that you should hear from me 
and I and I've benefited from that. And so I think that's a, a way in which Charlie's speaking to like what he's doing today. But I think over the last twelve years, one of the things I've seen in him and benefited personally is more of the parts of the disciple making relationship that happen over a long period of time as trust is built between people, yeah. but also as vulnerability is built and, and you've modeled that of like well, thank you. You don't show up and expect me to be in a crappy place and you tell me all the answers. You come in and you tell me, hey, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what God's trying to teach me that I'm not learning very well. Yeah. And and model vulnerability and, and honesty about that. So I think that's something that I've seen in you of how you've discipled me personally. Well, thank you. I appreciate so, you saying that. That's encouraging. Yeah, I, I'd rather be, but, yeah, you know, I can't be the guy who has it all together because I'm not. <laughs> Um, you could try to be. The interesting thing about Harry was that uh, there was no two-way, right, other than instructional. Right? Mm. Harry, how do I do this? Here's how. Um, and, and that's fine. That's what I needed at the time. But um, I disagreed with him on some of his interpretation of Scripture. Um, and we agreed to disagree. Mm-hmm. That's how we left it. But uh, there wasn't a dialogue there. So what do you do, so then with the the people that you're uh, investing in now, um, and it's a good point, just as a side note, I think that in some ways investing in people is a very good way to to describe it. Mm-hmm. And you think of like, in, in, if we think about making disciples, like um, think about investing, you know, like I might not own all of this company but i can invest something in it you know because i think it's worthwhile and i think you know it's it's growing or something and i think that sometimes you know like charlie you and i have never had like a regular appointment or something but i think i can think of times when you've invested in me also where and i mean just like david said with the books where you know i think after i got hired at northwest i one night i got a a text from Charlie saying, check your mailbox. <laughs> and I got in the mailbox and, um, and then there, and there was a, yeah, exactly what David said. There was a book, um, uh, that I haven't read yet that I need to read. And just, that's the other reason I get books just to check to see if people, <laughs> yeah. and I write the note to see if they like put it in a or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, mm. and that's the way that you were investing in me and, you know, you haven't been, I think there are some guys that you're meeting with on a on a regular basis, or trying to meet with on a regular basis. And certainly, life group is a there's a there's a rhythm to that, and and you and I haven't had that, but that didn't stop you from investing in me in in that way. And I think that we can often think of making a disciple as like I don't know, like building a I can't think of a good example, like like you have to see, see the whole thing through from start to completion. You know, I have to get you when you, you know, are a staunch atheist and then keep meeting with you every week until you're, you're a, a pastor or something. <laughs> but very often we can have these influences in each other's lives where we're, um, we're watering and we're sowing and, and, and God's causing the, the growth. And, um, and that's what gets in what we've mentioned before, how it's a, in many ways, it's a community yeah. thing. And well, if I think it's an intentionality, too, right? We want to be intentional about how we um, go about life, right? And, and how we interact with people. 
I was going to show you, you know, I carry this little notebook with me. These are the guys that I'm focused on mm-hmm. and, and praying for. So yeah. different, like there's the elders, former elders, life group, a list of guys that don't know Christ, and a list of guys that I meet with. Mm-hmm. And there's probably, I don't know, 20 to 30 guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to be intentional about that. Well, the question I was going to ask a second ago before I kind of went down that rabbit trail was what do you do to try to foster that dialogue maybe more than what you experienced when it was like a, I ask the question, you give the answer. Hmm. How do you try to foster that dialogue, whether in a group setting or one-on-one? Yeah, well, group setting, you no know, life group or what we call life groups is, um, I think that you talked about trust, right? It's over time. As we started off, it was more icebreakers. Uh, I always have a question of the week or try to. Um, and early on, it's always obtuse, right? Something different and silly. And we get to know each other, right? Uh, and a lot of times we get to know what we know about our spouses. I would ask, what does your spouse, you know, what's your spouse's favorite candy? And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. Um, and then they get offended and you get to watch how they interact when they don't get along. And that's fun. Um, but so, that's, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you get into more spiritual things, and we want to open scripture as a group. Um, and over time, our group has been around, has been together for a while, the core group, and we've added a couple here and there, and and they've jumped in really well. But we're pretty transparent. And everybody knows, everybody in my group knows I'm not perfect. Um, because Susan tells them constantly. <laughs> um, what's, no, what's Charlie's favorite candy? Charlie's not perfect. We should have had Susan here for this interview. <laughs> yeah. Charlie has no favorite candy because he eats them all. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, but, so, you know, I think transparency being, uh, transparent being genuine you know, I, I sort of like days. I try to lay it out on the table, and this is where I'm struggling. And sometimes, maybe I'm too transparent. Um, but I think that helps. But then also, I think you gotta go ahead and ask some questions, right? Uh, the other thing is, I I don't mind silence, uh, and that's a sales thing too, right? Like silence is not bad. Um, because people, hopefully people are thinking, could be trying to think of an answer, could be thinking about how to get out of answering too. But, um, you know, I'll ask a question about what we were supposed to, you know, first I ask, who read it, right? And as long as you tell me whether you did or not, that's fine, right? Because that'll also tell you, tell me how deep I'm going to let you go in pontificating on, on this topic, right? Mm-hmm. If you didn't read the stuff, then... <laughs> Back off. Get you have a short leash. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we want to, it, it, asking a question and waiting for the response um, it is not a bad thing. It, it puts people on the spot, and some people don't like that. Susan definitely doesn't like when I do that with other people, not just her. But um, it's sort of who we are, right? We want to be able to to answer some tough questions in front of others. Um, so that's okay. And then I think everybody see, sees that I'm trying. Right? We're, we're trying to build the group. We're trying to, 
you know, allow God to build the group, but trying to drive us in a direction that's um, encouraging each other. We're praying for each other. We're open with each other. And we're responsive to each other. You know, we have some people in the group that don't like certain pastors who's not here, but the Bible studies we've done. I won't list them here because everybody will be up and roar. But, uh, you know, we don't want to, what do you want to do next time for our, our next study? Because we're, we're doing a, um, right now we're doing love and respect, which is a marriage. We want to do something about relationships for us. Because this has been a tough time for everybody, right? Kids are home, we're working from home, everything's at home, and it's just different. And uh, we ended up on that. And, uh, but, you know, one person said, I don't care, you pick it as long as it's not from this person. Right, and we had done a study from him before, and, and I was like, "All right." So he just giggled. So listening to feedback. Yeah, yeah, and I, I try to have you know they are the ones that pick the night of the week and the time of the week, and um, you know when we first met, we were driving to the place, and Susan and I said, "Okay, so we're open to any night of the week except Sunday." Yeah, we came home. It was Sunday night, um, but you know that's when everybody can do it. Um, and that's best for our group, and it's worked out really well. Mm-hmm. We've changed it now to Zoom, and we're trying to bust back into meeting, and we're, we've met once, we'll meet again this week in person, and then we'll go from there, but uh, yeah. So I think a couple, maybe three things that I, I pick out of what you're saying is um, one, kind of that sacrificial mentality, where, like you said, I know that you're not perfect at these, but like, um, like you said, you know, I, we want to meet when when you guys can can meet. Sure. You know, we're not saying we're not going to make you meet, work around our schedule. If we're leading, then we're gonna we're gonna work around around your schedule. Um, and, and then also just the the asking questions, and I think a, a lot of times we we do think of disciple making as. Um, well, it has to be giving, just giving the answers, and 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 certainly, you know, it's good to. There, there's sometimes we need to give answers, but asking those questions and then really listening to the answer and giving people time to to think about the questions yeah. and, and and letting them see that you actually are really taking seriously what what they're saying, and then thirdly, I, I wonder if in, in my mind. I feel like this is just such a key to being not just maybe the difference between being a Bible study leader and being a disciple maker. And I want to hear kind of your thoughts on describing it that way is the third thing, which is that uh, intentionality of saying, you know, I'm in this group and we're studying this uh, curriculum and we're meeting at this time and we have some of these discussion questions but your intentionality is on those people mm-hmm. and you have those lists of people that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about them. I'm praying for them. I'm watching them and I'm just thinking about how I can help them then grow. And so to, to me, that seems like a difference between somebody who's maybe a, a discussion facilitator or somebody who's a Bible study leader and somebody who's, who's really a part of making disciples is that, yeah, we're doing all these things, but it's really not about those things. It's about 
it's about getting to know the people in this group and then also trying to pray for them and listen to what God says and then how can I help them grow as well. Yeah. That's the intent. If they're listening, they'll tell you I'm quite sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Disciple podcast. This is a podcast put out by Northwest Community Church in Cary, North Carolina. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear what your thoughts and what your questions are, and also anything else that you might um, like to hear us talk about on a future episode of, of this podcast. You know, from this conversation with Charlie, one of my favorite things, one thing that really stands out is how he talks about being intentional. And how it really is just kind of this mentality of looking at the people around you and trying to, to help them help them grow. And I like how for Charlie, you know, he God uses different different methods for different people to grow. And Charlie does some of the same things that that first pastor who mentored him did with him, and he does some different things too. And so I think this is really valuable for me and for all of us as we think about what it looks like to be people who are growing as disciples and also helping other people trust, love, and obey Jesus too. So as always, we'd love to hear from you. Um, info at northwestlife.org, or you can talk to Charlie or myself, Ryan, or David Damon, whenever you see us.